uh, would like to point out that actually on the women's retreat, there were 72 women signed up. And because I like the Bible, I like numbers, and I don't think there's any such thing as accident, it just strikes me that in Luke 10, Jesus sent out 72 disciples. Specifically, this is what he said. It says he sent out 72 to the towns and the places that he himself was going to visit. And, he's, and he, told, he gave them authority, and he said, go and preach the kingdom. Uh, he had some things to say about people who didn't listen to these disciples, but in any case, the kingdom of God was coming. So it seems to me that God is imparting into the women who are gone from here this morning uh, a sense of the kingdom, the authority of the kingdom. So I want to encourage you, if you are a man whose woman is gone and is coming back, receive the kingdom when she comes back. <laughs> be kind to her, be nice to her. And learn from her, because I think they're going to come back with something to give. Is that okay for everybody? Okay, great. We are uh, talking this morning about spiritual gifts. First, I want to ask this question. From last week, Brian Beeson was here. He spoke about uh, the baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit and specifically the gift of tongues. Does anyone have a specific experience from last week that you think would be encouraging for everyone to hear that you want to share or a specific question from last week that's been nagging you all week and you would like to ask someone smart like Chad? <laughs> Experience or question? Anybody? Okay. Yes. Let's have this. Okay. Lydia, stand up and tell us what your name is. I'm Lydia. Okay, anyway. Um... So I've met people that are afraid to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they've heard that um, when you pray in tongues, it could sometimes like it can be a demon praying instead of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So how do you respond to that? That's a great question. See, aren't aren't you all glad that we did this? Yeah. Uh, I've heard that question lots of times, and uh, here's how I answer it. Number one, we know from uh, somewhere in the Bible, I can't, I can't remember right now that uh, every good gift comes from the Father above. God is good. Luke 11, when, uh, right after the disciples say, teach us how to pray, Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer, and then he says, will not your Father in heaven give all who ask the Holy Spirit? So we can trust God. We don't have to fear the devil when we're trusting God. If our gaze is upon him and our pure desire is for the Holy Spirit of God, God is more powerful than the enemy. Sometimes we give the enemy so much credit for deception that we fear the good things of God, and we don't have to fear the good things of God. On a real practical level, I'll just be straight honest with you, I don't, I don't know how this one works, but when Jane and I first uh, were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it'd been about a year, and we're sort of playing around and trying to learn what does this all mean, and we're praying in tongues in our devotional time, and a couple times saw it happen in the church. We went overseas as missionaries, and... Um, we, were, we, we knew we needed the power of the Holy Spirit as we're talking to refugees from all across Eastern Europe and the Middle East. But we didn't want anything that wasn't from God. And so we asked a guy who was more familiar with the gifts of the Spirit, like, how do we know that this is from God? And this is what he did. He said, there's a, there's a verse in 1 John that says, no one, uh, no one who belongs to God will say Jesus is accursed. And so he said, he, this is what he did. He said, pray in tongues. We prayed in tongues. He said, now say Jesus is Lord. He said, Jesus is Lord. He said, you're good. 
It seems simplistic, right? But again, our trust is in God. I mean, uh, as with any gift that comes from God, there's trust that's inherent. And it's why we use the gifts in, dis- in discernment in community. So we test all these things. It's a great question, though. So hope that helps. Does that stir any other questions, or are there any other questions or an experience? Oh, Eric, <laughs> this could be scary. <laughs> so um, tell us who you are. I, my name's Eric. And I'm going to say this. Give, like, if what I say here is, is like, way off, like, just we'll kick don't, be af- yeah, don't be afraid to tell me <laughs> I'm wrong. Um, but I had, I, speaking in tongues is something that I, I don't really do. Um, but I, I'm all for it, and I think it's a great, like, I see other people engage in it, and it's, obviously, it's, God is moving through them, and it's, it's a connection that um, is different than anything else. And I think, for me, I tend to be skeptical, and I kind of, you know, I see, I start comparing things. It's like, oh, he said some words that sound kind of like this other guy that says words, and and they're sort of random. They kind of maybe sound Arabic or something, but I, I get all hung up on that stuff. Yeah. And I felt like God said to me last week, like, you get so hung up on the idea of, like, syllables and words and this whole thing, and maybe um, don't. What I felt like God was saying was like, don't be so concerned about the actual language aspect of it. That it's maybe more about um, when you receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues is in you, whether you choose to use it or not. And what it is, is you allowing the Spirit to speak through your body. And so you're engaging in the same way that you would feel a stirring in your heart and in, in, in the midst of a service and come to the front and kneel before the Lord and wait for him to minister to you, that that's a physical activity. You're taking your body, you're saying, I'm coming forward, I'm giving myself to you, that maybe all tongues really is, is that physical act of your body saying, I agree with the Holy Spirit, I don't know what to pray, I'm just going to open my mouth and make a sound. It doesn't have to sound like this guy over here, it doesn't have to sound like, I think honestly it could just be a single note. It could be a cry, and if your heart is in the place of, I want my heart to be communicating what the spirit in, in my heart is communicating to the Lord. Then yeah. I think I think you're clear. Yeah. And what that did for me was just take a lot of um, the hang up out of it. Thinking about the language aspect of it. It's, yeah. Yeah. It, I think it has been used in that in that capacity. I mean, you see that in scripture that, it, you know, people heard different languages being spoken. And I think, right. you know, God invented it. He can use it however he wants. But right. it's his gift. But I think. Don't get hung up on the, on the syllables, yeah. the syllables. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. I agree with 98% of that. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's about the syllables or the language, and we don't even know in Acts 2 if it was a gift of, to- of hearing or a, a gift of speaking or a gift of hearing. Yeah. We just know that they all heard the, the words, the testimony of God being communicated in their own language. We don't know if it was a speaking miracle or a hearing miracle and i think god leaves that open because we're not supposed to know i don't think it is about the syllables at all i don't think that's the point i i would i would question whether we can make the statement that the gift of tongues is in every believer i can't find that in the bible though i know lots of people i respect and brian said it last week he said i think all people can have the gift of devotional tongues 
I just can't find that exact clarity in the scripture. I can find it for prophecy. Uh, first, Steve, help me, 1 Corinthians 14, 31, so that all may prophesy. I mean, I, I think you can make that, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I'm not sure for the gift of tongues. I, at the same time, that devotional ability to speak to God in another language, it's, it's, uh, it's all about the heart. It's not about the words. As if you could somehow pray wrong in the spirit, right? Like here's the Holy Spirit praying, praying through you. You speak and, G- and God says, I can't understand a word you say. <laughs> it's his language. It's his gift. It's his spirit praying through you back to him. Romans 8, Paul says, we, we come to the spirit. We pray with groanings that we can't even understand. And sometimes when I pray in my devotional tongue, sometimes it's one thing that I'm familiar with, and sometimes it sounds altogether different. And sometimes it's groaning. So uh, let's, I, I think it's great, Eric. It's a good point. Oh, you're that, that was the point I was going to talk about. Okay, all right. Well, then you can stay in the church. <laughs> it's a joke. It's just a joke. All right, let's pray. Good, thank you for those questions. Father, thank you that we can be open with one another, and we can be free in the Holy Spirit because you've given us your word and we've, you've given us your spirit to help us to discern. So we focus our eyes upon you. Lord Jesus, we lift you up this morning. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and give us wisdom and discernment as we search these scriptures that you yourself inspired. We ask for revelation, illumination, and application to our lives so that we would walk out here empowered by your spirit and looking more like Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Okay, you should have gotten a piece of paper when you walked in. It's a yellow piece of paper. If you didn't get one, raise your hand, and I'm just going to trust that Steve is so kind, he will go give you, give you papers. All right, so I've got a lot of scriptures on there. I will not go over all those scriptures. Some scriptures, uh, does anyone want to help Steve? Because he's only got two legs. Okay, wow, look at that. See, all parts of the body are required. Okay, what is a spiritual gift? I'm going to start with a definition that I stole from my um, seminary professor, Dr. Wayne Grudem, and I like it, and I like him, so this is what I think. A spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. Very broad definition of spiritual gifts. Any ability empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. In about point three or four, I will make a big case for we can't possibly have every possible gift uh, able to be given by God listed in the New Testament for lots of reasons I'll go into. So definition of a spiritual gift, any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. Brother Daniel's just dying up here without one, Jericho. He's just about to croak. Yeah. I don't know if I have the gift for resurrection, so. Connor, are you feeling left out? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, some gifts might seem more, uh, more uh, miraculous and some less miraculous. We've got some women beginning a food chain for someone who's, uh, uh, some families beginning a meal chain for someone who's about to have a child. Now, you might not think that is a supernatural gift. I'm telling you, for that family that gets those meals, that is a supernatural gift, especially for the husband who I happen to know. 
though I think he's a good cook. That's what I've heard. So some gifts seem more miraculous and some seem less miraculous. It doesn't matter. The empowerment comes from God and any gift empowered by God, by the Holy Spirit, and used in the ministry of the church is a legitimate uh, spiritual gift. Paul lists both the natural seeming and the supernatural seeming gifts together. So you'll see prophecy uttering a word from God that you couldn't know, or tongues, this uh, uh, a word from God in a language that you don't know that needs interpretation, right next to helps or mercy or leadership that you might think, well, those are just natural things. Well, they're, they're, they're gifts given to people empowered by the Holy Spirit used in the ministry of the church, and those are gifts from God, all of them. Um, all of these gifts are gracelets. The word, you know, we're a charismatic church, comes from the word charis, which means grace. And uh, charismata is just the things of grace or the spiritual things or the, I like to call them, gracelets. So we get little gracelets from God, and that's what a spiritual gift is. And every gift given by God is a gift of grace, Right? There's not one of us who earned the gift that God gave us any more than we earned our salvation or our place adopted into the family of God. So we are called charismatics because we believe in the spiritual gifts. In that sense, every believer in Jesus is a charismatic. Everyone who believes that there are any gifts is charismatic in the formal use of the term. There are churches that believe that the more supernatural gifts are still evident today, and we're one of those. And there would be those called cessationists who think those gifts have stopped. And I've got lots of respect for those churches who believe in that way. I don't, and I've got lots of biblical and experience uh, to back that up, but no judgment. That's what the word charismatic means. So all spiritual gifts, let's read from 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. And you can just do the listening because this isn't up on your screen. 1 Corinthians 12. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So there's six or seven uh, gifts listed, but not all of them. Just, this is just one list in the New Testament. Verse 11, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. It's a crucial passage for a biblical understanding of spiritual gifts. So we know that from that passage, all of these spiritual gifts are given by God. It's the same spirit that gives these gifts. So they're all given by God. And they're all empowered by the one and the same spirit. It's not like someone has a a greater Holy Spirit than someone else. You might see someone with more power and ministry in their lives, but that doesn't mean they have more of the Holy Spirit or they have uh, a special Holy Spirit. Like I got the grade A Holy Spirit, you know, and you got the two cl second class Holy Spirit. It doesn't exist. 
And don't let anyone tell you <laughs> that you need to go to a certain person to get prayed for so they can give you the special zap, right? You can't find that in the scriptures. Doesn't mean that some people don't have special anointings, and this is where we walk in the balance, right? There are some that have a, uh, seem to have a greater grace for healing. It's their spiritual gift, and others' word of knowledge, or mercy, or leadership. Some have the gift of singing. I do not. You know how I know that? The gift is supposed to build up the church. <laughs> and if you heard me sing, that's not what would happen. And someone will come afterwards and say, yes, you have it, and then make me sing it. All these gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, are given for the common good, which means these gifts are to be used and not hoarded. Okay, I'm going to say that again, because we're going to end here at, uh, on this point in about 20 minutes. All gifts given by God, empowered by the same Spirit, given for the common good, that means to build us up as a church, or to build up the kingdom when you use those gifts outside of the church. And those gifts are given to be employed, not to be hoarded. And whether it's pride or fear or insecurity or anything that might keep you from exercising your spiritual gift, we need everyone. So we're going to be praying specifically for people who feel like they're a little thwarted in their ability to use their gifts because God wants to, to bless us with all of those gifts. Making sense so far? A quote from Richard Gavin, systematic theologian. Probably the most important and certainly the most difficult lesson for us to learn is that ultimately spiritual... It says fits in my notes here. Does it say it on yours too? No, good. Spiritual gifts are not our presumed strengths and abilities, not something that we have, in quotes, but what God does through us in spite of ourselves and our weakness. So to what, to what extent do we own a gift that God has given? Again, I just think we live in the balance here. When we begin to say that this gift is mine and I will determine what to do with it, then all of a sudden we've pushed the Holy Spirit away who decides exactly which gift he wants to give to what person and when and how. By the same token, if we just say, I'm not going to do anything until God you know, bunks me on the head, we have forgot that we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So there's mystery in this, the use of spiritual gifts. We can't make this a science. God is not a, 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 an experiment that we can reproduce over and over again. He's a holy other being. And that holy other being who created us said, I want to work in you and I want to work through you. And that requires faith. 2 Corinthians 12.9, Paul says, uh, that the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. N no other place any more so than in spiritual gifts. So I think that my spiritual gift is teaching. That's one of my gifts. And often when I stand up here, I think, man, I got nothing to give. I feel weak. I'm, you know, I, I will sometimes sit down after speaking and think, what did I do? What did I say? You know, when you start to focus, Evan, you know what that feels like when you're leading worship? Well, no, you're probably always perfect, but. <laughs> Even though you have a gift doesn't mean that you'll feel supremely confident every time you use it because his strength, his grace is made perfect in our weakness. And so we submit to God as weak, humble beings that we know every time we utilize our gifts, 
we still have to depend on the giver, right? If at any point we are so focused on gifts that we take our eyes off the giver, we've lost God. We've strayed from the path who wants all glory, the one who wants all glory to go to him. Uh, Number two, so what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? 1 Corinthians 1, 7 and Ephesians 4, 12 tell us this. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So one reason we have the spiritual gifts is getting ready for the the return of Jesus. It's, It's everything we need while we're waiting for Jesus to come the second time. Jesus landed on earth in the form of a child, was baptized by the Holy Spirit, began his ministry, finished his ministry by cross, death, resurrection, and ascension, and then gave us the Holy Spirit. He inaugurated the kingdom of God when he first came. He will consummate the kingdom when he comes the second time. And we live in between the times. So the reason he gives us these gifts to minister to one another, to the world and the church, is as we wait for. It's almost like a foretaste of heaven. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 13, 10. Ephesians 4, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Again, not all of them, just a list. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The reason God gives spiritual gifts to people, every single one of us who are in the faith, is to equip us to do the ministry of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. How are the saved going to be, uh, how are the lost going to be saved? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. How are the uh, the unlovely going to be loved? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. How are the broken going to be healed? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. How are the children going to hear the word of the Lord, uh, receive Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, and be matured as disciples of Jesus? The gifts of the Holy Spirit, every single one of them. So God has given us his gifts to equip us to do the ministry of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and to build up the church, to strengthen the church. If, if you ever wonder how to test if a, if a gift is being used in the proper way, look at its fruit. Is the fruit strengthening? Is the fruit building up of the church? It's, then they're using it in a good way. If, if someone stands up and purports to have a gift from God and uses it to beat up, denigrate, assault, or any other bad words you can think of, the church, then I question whether they're using that gift in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just not the purpose of the gift. That doesn't mean that we won't sometimes give hard truth, right? I mean, John is my brother. Sometimes I'm going to speak the truth to him about his sin, not John specifically, just using him. But I'm going to speak that truth in love, right? So in the end, that revelation in love is going to build him up. It's going to strengthen him. We can't shy away from giving hard words to one another, speaking the truth in love, but without love, 1 Corinthians 13, without love, all these gifts are useless. Remember, clanging bell, clashing cymbal, without love. So love is the context of every spiritual gift given and used in the church. Number three, 
just answering some questions here. Does everyone have a spiritual gift? Yes. All done. Okay. Absolutely, without a doubt, every person who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, they've placed their faith in Jesus, they have a spiritual gift. If uh, 10 minutes ago you were walking up to communion and you said, Jesus, I've never known you. I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. Save me right now. Thank you for what you've done for me. I believe. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. You take communion. You have a spiritual gift. The gift might be immature. You, you might not know what to do with it, but you have a spiritual gift. If anyone would look at God who created them and say, I'm the one you failed to look at. You might think that's humility. Sorry, it's the epitome of pride, right? Does that make sense to you? It's pride that says, God, I am so special that I'm the one that doesn't have the gift. So if you don't know what your spiritual gift is or what spiritual gifts are being empowered in you, then boy, it's time to look to God and say, I know I have it. It's what the word says. Now show it to me. And you ask your friends and your transforming group and you ask your, your spouse or your roommate or your parents or your grandparents. You say, I know I have a spiritual gift. The Bible says it, but I don't know what it is. And my guess is people will come to you and say, I can tell you what your gift is. Oh, you're an apostle, Chad. You love to see things grow and get built. You like organizations so that we can get the word of God out to many, many people and see new expressions of the faith. Well, that's apostolic, which is why Chad is here in this church, because we needed that apostolic vision. Okay. Is this making sense? I'm kind of hyped up. I'm all excited. Everybody okay? All right. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So if you ever wonder, do I have a gift from God? Here's your verse. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. That is such a scary verse for a speaker. Speak as though God himself were speaking through you. I mean, that just kind of freaks you out a little bit, doesn't it? Freaks me out. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. You see that little tag, Peter saying, in case you wondered what the purpose of spiritual gifts were, to bless other people and to bring glory to God. That's why he gives us the gifts. Okay, number four, are some spiritual gifts better than others? This is a tricky one. I mean, all of our gifts are different, but each is valuable and each is necessary. Romans 12, three to eight. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. That's just Paul being Paul. Like, get off your high horse, pal, right? That's what it says in the Greek. <laughs> Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Realize it comes from God. He doesn't say measure yourself by the faith that you're able to muster up. He says measure, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. 
Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, the church. We're many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So Paul is saying we we each have been given a gift and a proportion of faith. And all that we're required to do is give everything we have. I mean, that's, that's easy, right? All Paul is, is saying by the Holy Spirit is give everything you have. Now, are some gifts better than other gifts? Not necessarily. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 uh, to 21. Do I have that up there? Now, let me read that. The body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? The understood answer is no. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. To be. So what Paul is saying is our gifts differ. And though a small gift might not seem as big, it is just as important as any other gift. And so we're meant to walk in confidence with the gift that God's given us, but at the same time with humility. You know, so you, you won't find um, most vineyard people coming in and saying, I am the great prophet of the Lord, Right? That's not humility, but, you know, I think I may have heard the Lord say something, and I'd like to share it and submit it to you for your discernment. See, that's humility. It's an important gift to be able to speak God's word, but we do it under God and in humility. And we honor all gifts. And yet, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 1 to 3 says this. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Paul seems to be saying there is one gift that I, I really want you to go after. And this is the Bible speaking. It's not me. It's what the Bible says. So all gifts are given by God as he wills, All are to be valued. All are to be used in humility. But Paul says, you know, if you're going to go after one, man, I really want you to go after that gift of prophecy. Ask the Lord for that. That's why I think in 1 Corinthians 14, 31 is why he says, you may all prophesy. Because why? For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. Brian talked about that last week. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So Paul says, go after love. That's the most important. It's the base 
of every spiritual gift. But if you're really looking for a, a gift from the Lord, ask that you may prophesy, that you may be able to give from God a spontaneous, something that comes spontaneously from God and give it to another to strengthen them, to encourage them, to comfort them. In just a few minutes, I'm going to ask some people to come forward and see if we have some prophetic words, words that God's given spontaneously that would strengthen us, that would comfort us, that would encourage us because Paul seems to say, go after this one. And I'll tell you, I've heard people prophesy who don't even believe in prophecy. You think, how could that be? I've heard people get up in meetings, clearly inspired by the Holy Spirit, bring a word to a person or a group of people that seemed right from heaven, all at the same time believing there is no such thing as the gift of prophecy. Because uh, our mind cannot diminish God's work, right? God, God really doesn't care uh, often what we think about what he wants to do through us. He just wants our faith. Okay, how many gifts are there? Well, uh, if you read, like list every single possible gift that you can pluck out of the New Testament, I would say 22 to 25. Some people question whether celibacy is a gift from 1 Corinthians 7. Um, the gift of martyrdom, the gift you only get to use once. <laughs> a little joke there. <laughs> Some people question that one. We haven't been able to talk to people who've used that one, so you know how that goes. Just trying to keep it real. Here's my point. Uh, <laughs> I don't, think it can, I don't think Paul could possibly mean to give an exhaustive list of the gifts because there's no place where, where all the gifts are listed, right? And the only one uh, gift that is listed in all five or six, depending on how you look at it, places in the New Testament in some form is the gift of prophecy. That's the only one that finds itself in every list. If Paul wanted to give you a meticulous, here are the 28 gifts of the Holy Spirit, he could have done it. I mean, he's meticulous about many other things. So I think the gifts being scattered, supernatural, seemingly natural, different orders, and none except prophecy in every list, I think we can say we're safe with that. A spiritual gift is any ability empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in the ministry of the church. You don't see the gift of musician or worship leader in the New Testament. Is there a gift? Yeah. You don't see an artistic gift in the New Testament. You see it in the Old Testament. Are there artistic gifts? Yeah, look around our building. Come on our worship night. Many gifts. The broadest category is 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks or whoever renders service. Uh, number six, all gifts are apparently not equally empowered. And so again, we go to God and with our faith, we use what God has given us. I want to end with these two scriptures. First Timothy 4, 13 and 14. Until I get there, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. It's the role of a pastor right there. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Paul exhorts Timothy. This is super apostle speaking to, um, to local pastor and saying, 
do not neglect the spiritual gift given you. And I think Paul's saying, you know, if you neglect it, the church won't be edified by your gift. He may be saying, use it or lose it. I don't know. It doesn't say that in the Bible. But I think with most gifts and abilities in our lives, unless we constantly use them and cultivate them, we're in danger of losing the ability, the access point to those. Spirit's still given us the gift, but I think we're called by God to use those gifts. So do not neglect the gift that God has given you. And um, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So Paul, speaking to his disciple Timothy in his second letter, first letter he says, don't neglect the gift, use it. And then second letter he says, hey, remember that gift we talked about? Fan it into flames. Ask the Holy Spirit to come again and again and again and again. The, the promise of the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 1, 7, we have every spiritual gift we need as we eagerly await the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Vineyard Church here, we have every spiritual gift we need to do what God's called us to do. But listen to this. We need every spiritual gift we have. See, there's two, two sides of that. We have everything we need. It's sitting in the room or waiting to come second service or down in Brown County, right? Or back in the kids area. We have every gift we need, but we need every gift we have. That means if God, it means if God has called you to this church, we need you and we need the gift that you bring. Don't hide it. Don't neglect it. Fan it into flame. Okay. All right. Um, some of the guys that I asked, would you come forward if you've got a specific word? Steve, can you come? Jericho, Seth, okay. Well, I just uh, was driving to church this morning praying, and I felt like the Lord said he wanted to stir some things up this morning, and so I texted some of my friends in the church they just happen to be all men, okay? It's not, it's just I thought women are on their treat, okay? I'm not trying to make any sort of other communication. Uh, if there's a woman here who's got a word for someone specific, please come up, okay? But I just asked them to be praying and asking if God had any specific words for people. So I'll just let you guys do that as you, again, we're working without a net up here, as Dave Noel would say. Who, who's first? Hey, I'm Jim, and uh, thanks, Randy, for doing this. I, I just got to say, though, that uh, this morning when I was, like, asking the Lord about this, you know, I got this thought, Zephaniah 9.9, 9. and <laughs> there's only three chapters in there. <laughs> I thought, oh, well, okay. So, so on the way here, just a verse, a, another verse popped into my head, and I thought, well, no, I'm only saying that because of the women's retreat this week, and then Randy got up and said something about it. So I'll just <clears throat> give you what I'm, I'm thinking maybe the Spirit might be saying today. Um, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious 
gift of life. Uh, Another version says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And, uh, you know, when that came to me, I I thought, yeah, I think I'm supposed to pray for someone or maybe a couple people that, guys that, that may be thinking, ah, you know, I'm not living with my wife in an understanding way. And um, then I thought, oh, maybe Randy could get someone else who has that down pat to, to do the prayer, but I think the Lord wants me to do it. So um, that's just for someone. Do you think that that word is, uh, we're just working together here. Yeah. Do you think that word is for some specific people or for husbands in general? Um, I, I don't know. Okay. You know, it, I'm, I'm open to you. Okay. So. Let's do it this way. Uh, if you're a, you got something on that? Um, yes. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Prophetic tag team. So I feel like it's for Tell husbands. Tell us who you are, Jericho. Uh, my, name is <laughs> my name is Jericho. Um, I feel like it is for husbands in general. Um, this morning, um, well, my wife is on the retreat. Um, but this morning, um, I felt like the Lord was saying that um, do not expect things to align with the status quo anymore. Um, I, I saw a picture of, of a flower in, like, a, a plane and, like, it's attempting to germinate, like, it's attempting to pollinate or do whatever flowers do. Um, and then there is a, a picket fence built of fire surrounding uh, the flower trying to do its thing. Um, and I felt like in this season, not, not even just women who go on, on the retreat, I feel like um, this is a season where the Lord's going to be doing something in, in the women of our church um, and the brothers and the fathers and the husbands of, of those women um, need to understand that we're responsible for for creating in a, a safe place for for that to take place um, a, a protective environment for um, the women in our lives to, to wrestle with things to grow and to produce um, does that make sense mm-hmm. so, so I feel like along with um, that word there that you know, it is for, for men in general. Even if, you don't, if you're not married, it doesn't really matter. You still have women in your life. They could be your sisters in Christ. It doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, it's, it's all significant. Good. So let's, let's go two directions with this. Uh, if you're a man, stand up. And um, uh, Jim, would you just pray a, a prayer over husbands specifically on the mic? And then Jericho, would you just pray for all of us? And, and so... When, when the Lord gives us words, they're not meant just for information. They're meant for activation. So when the Lord gives a word, we want to respond to it. So I'm just going to ask these guys to, to pray for men in the way the Lord's spoken to them. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, could I ask the guys to, to kneel down? Would you be up for that? Just, just kneel down. Because I know I needed to do that. Father God, you... You are what this is all about, and it's all for your glory. And God, we're just kneeling right now as men and husbands and brothers and because we, we just need you to live through us. Lord, we ask that the same humility that you showed in leaving heaven and coming to this earth, in the way that you did. We want that humility to be in our lives as we live our lives with our families and with our, our 
friends and with our children. God, we need your humility. And we ask for that. Lord, I pray that even as we, when we listen to that verse, Lord, and, and we hear that word weaker vessel, Lord, that we don't view it in the way that the world views that. God, you have given us the ability within us through the Holy Spirit to be humble with our families and with our wives and to be that protection. Lord, you've given us that and we want to step out right now and do that. God, we need you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Is y'all going to stand up now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I feel like in in our generation in our culture um, men have been understood to have trouble with commitments you can still play well who's oh, no, no. Um, and the reality is we're built for covenant men are specifically designed for covenant um, when, when Adam when Adam was created by the Lord he was assigned with um, defining and creating an environment where the things that he named would have the best chance to thrive. Um, so when he named woman, um, it, it, it was as if he was, he was signing up um, to be committed to, to create a place and to be a safe place where he could be all that he's made to be. Um, so instead of praying, I want to I wanna lead us into a kind of like a sign up if, you, if, if, you're, if you're tracking with me, you know, I'll say things and you'll repeat them. And it's, it's making, it's signing up and, and, and settling a covenant to commit ourselves to being what we need to be, to doing what needs to be done and for enduring every process that's deemed necessary by the Lord to support the women in our lives. Um, this is a covenant that requires us to die to self. Every day we're going to die. Every day. Every, every, every need that we think is a need, um, we'll, we'll understand that some of them are wants and we'll have to die. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start leading us in that. And I want to ask something a little different. If this is something, if I if I start saying things that um, you're not there yet, then I don't want you to just say it. I want you to maybe find a pen or paper in front of you and write that thing down because I don't want you to commit to something that you're not up for yet. You understand what I'm saying? When, when you say yes, the, the, the yes of a man is something that's powerful. So when you say yes to something, you're giving your all to it because that's what we're built for. So I'm just going to, we're just going to go, okay? Are we ready? Yeah. I'm asking you guys, are we ready? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Father, so this is the repeat. 
repeat after me part. So <laughs> when I say, you, you repeat, okay? So Father, Father, I accept the call to be a man. I accept the call to be a man. I receive the vision that you've given me for the woman in my life. And I declare that they are worth more than I have ever deemed to, to, to understand. And I, they're worth more than I've ever deemed to understand. I commit to dying to myself every day. I commit to looking at the woman in my life and say, you're more important right now. I declare that they are worth it. I declare that their dreams are more important than my ambitions. I declare that their hopes are more important than my fear of failure. I want to see them live even if that means that I die. Lord, I want the, the, the faith to find life in death to self. I don't want it to be just a discipline or a duty or an obligation. I want it to be a desire. I want to desire to give of myself. I'm tired of obligation. And I ask for your forgiveness for living by obligation. I ask for your forgiveness for accepting the lies of the culture. I break off every lie that says that I am not made to commit. I break off every lie that says my love is passive. I break off the lie that says I am allowed to say that I have given enough. I believe that I'm made for more and I can do nothing without your grace. I, Lord, I pray that you seal this commitment within me and help me walk it out. Okay, you guys can be seated. So I don't know how to follow that exactly, but I'll try. Uh, years ago, my wife and I went to conference on marriage and one one thing stuck out I guess there were a lot of good things in that but there was only one piece that really stood out to me and that one piece was that leadership isn't knowing the answer it's starting the conversation and I've used that phrase a lot in the communication I've had with a lot of people and men over the years so I asked God to unpack that a little bit more since he brought it to mind this morning and what he did what he said in that was that we the things we fear can be disarmed in those conversations. 
when we put ourselves out and we're vulnerable to start that conversation, that can answer the fear. And I didn't know Randy was going to do question and answer session about about speaking in tongues earlier, but that was already what I was getting. This idea: if we ask the question, it can be out there. We can get a response. We can have a relationship. We can build that connection, and from that, we can have freedom. And so, I just want to pray over everybody that in this time, Lord, as we step into to positions of leadership, men or women, whichever, Lord, that you would give them the strength to start the conversations, not that they need to drive people in a specific way, not that they need to be ambitious to solve problems, Lord, that, but that you would give them the words to communicate and relate to each other. And that in that freedom, real freedom, can thrive in this church. for a specific thing. So I don't know exactly who this could be for, but I felt like this morning there was a specific word for some, probably a man, but it could not be, that the word was like brotherly love and that maybe there's someone who has a broken relationship with a brother. And if I cast a wider net, then maybe there's, I also felt like there was, or somebody who just feels like maybe a craving or a desire for like a deep brotherly friendship. I just feel like Jesus wants to reveal himself to you as a brother. So I don't know if that sits with anyone. Real sense of I, I've got a, you have a broken relationship with a brother or craving uh, that stand. I mean, this is, this is the Lord speaking to you. Okay. All right, go ahead and pray. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Um, we just thank you for your brotherly love. Thank you, Father, that you've come to establish family on this earth. And I just ask for mending of relationships in a really tight-knit way that is that is so unique that what brotherhood is. We just ask for a supernatural mending of relationships. If there needs to be forgiveness, to be a grace to to go after that. And I just ask for yeah, an ease and a lightness to conversations, but that there's the weightiness of that it's worth doing. And so I think, I thank you, God, for what you're doing in, in these men's hearts and just ask, uh, yeah, for a supernatural grace to, to follow you. And I just, yeah, I bless them with the love of their brother Jesus and their father, um, the father. Just thank you, God, in Jesus' name. We have uh, gone past our normally allotted time. So if you have children in children's ministry, I'm sure the workers would love to see you. Um, if you want or need to go, you're welcome to go. There may be some more words. Does anyone else? We've got a few more. So um, we're going to keep going here. But if you've got children, go get them and bring them back in if you want. Okay. Go ahead. I have a specific word for somebody named Benjamin. I don't know if it's first name, middle name, last name. Do we have any Benjamin? Any Benjamins? Okay, maybe somebody's in a relationship with a Benjamin that needs to hear this word. So, you know, I just, this is what I got. So here you go. Um, the gift that Benjamin has been given is not insignificant. In fact, it's one of the most powerful. You have not been called to a subordinate role. You are being given day by day the authority to do what God is calling you to do. God whose omnipotence is complete and you are called the son of his right hand 
is giving you giving you all that is necessary for you to do what is required of you. So. Specific? No? Okay. All right. Let's all stand. I don't have anything specific, um, but I've, I had dreams all last night, and I came in here this morning, and I was um, struck by um, people that might be stuck or stuck in a place where there's a lot of confusion. So if, if, if that feels like you, I'm going to be standing right over here Good. and you can just kind of come on up. Okay. All right. We'll close. If anyone would like someone to pray for them, specifically the, the spiritual gifts uh, fired up or stirred up, then we'd uh, ask you to come forward and we'd love to pray for you. The men that were up here will pray for you. They will. Uh, otherwise, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Have a great day.